to the debut episode of Wire to Wire, the Athletics Fantasy Football Waiver Wire Show. We are really excited to bring this show to you twice a week, every week, through the NFL season. I am your host, Michael Beller. We will get to the details of the show in just a second, but first I want to bring in my co-host. He's going to be with me on both episodes every week through the season, Brandon Funston. Funston, I'm excited. You excited? I share your excitement, my man. Uh, look, at we're doing Wire to Wire, which is the podcast show for the week. People care about who they need to pick up, and we're going to be the ones to make those recommendations. So I think we're in a great spot here. This should be a lot of fun. Yeah, and this feels a long time coming. Obviously, both of us have been in the industry for a while, and we've uh, known each other but never worked with one another till we both joined The Athletics. So now we get to do a show together. Feels uh, feels like uh, we're putting the capstone on what uh, has been a friendship and now is a working relationship. Yeah, it's nice to actually get to work alongside you for a change. I never really realized you had such a deep baritone voice, <laughs> uh, but that's going to work out well. It's not going to work out well in comparison for me uh, with my voice, but uh, – no, it, it, you know, it's uh, like you said, it's it's nice to uh, get to work together here after, have, after having known each other for a long time. Yeah. So like you said, Wire to Wire, uh, we feel it's an appropriately named show, not only because we'll take you from the beginning of the season all the way to the end of the season, but because as anyone who has played fantasy football knows, uh, the draft is just maybe a third of uh, how you win a league. And what you do in season on the waiver wire can really determine what happens to you over the next few months. We are going to give you the advice that hopefully helps you make the right moves and leads to fantasy success. So, Brandon, I'm just going to do a little housekeeping, uh, let the listeners know what the show is going to look like, and then you know, I'll come to you and, and make sure I've got everything right, all right? Sounds good. So, Mondays we will be our big waiver show. Makes a lot of sense. That's when everyone's really thinking about uh, the waiver wire and the moves that they need to make to improve their team. So, we'll be coming to you every single Monday that show you will be able to get for free on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast, you'll be able to find that podcast and all of our athletic podcast, NFL, college football, every other sport, you'll be able to find those for free on iTunes, Spotify, wherever as well. Our Monday show will be in that free universe. We will also be coming to you every Friday during the season. A little update of the waiver wire. We'll talk a little bit more of, uh, of stream possibilities. We'll talk about guys who... Maybe you want to preemptively add before the week starts guys who we think are going to be popular waiver targets after what they do that, that following Sunday. Maybe you can add them before they become uh, before there's a lot of competition to get them. We'll be doing that every single Friday uh, during the season. That will be a, subscri a subscribers only show. So hopefully uh, whatever you hear from us for free will entice you to subscribe as well. For this Friday, we're doing the free show. We're doing the typical waiver show on a Friday because it's a holiday weekend. The season hasn't started yet, so we figured why not throw one show out there on a Friday, let everyone go into the holiday, knowing what Wire to Wire is all about, and then we'll start things up for real after week one of the NFL season. Uh, did I did I hit it all? Did I knock that one out of the park, Brandon? Well, so how do we want to uh, explain – if something happens on a Monday night football game where there's a, an injury or something and there's a big, you know, potential mm -hmm. waiver claim out there, I think we talked about this. Um, what's our official word on how we would handle that? 
Yeah, if and when that happens, and realistically, that's probably going to happen at some point during the season, uh, the two of us will get together on an emergency addition to Wire to Wire, uh, whether it's Monday night or first thing Tuesday morning, and we will tack that on to the Monday episode that we published. So uh, if you've listened to the show on a Monday, and then something happens on Monday Night Football, and you're wondering how that maybe affects what we had already talked about earlier that day, you can come back to the show on Tuesday, and you will find that addition there. So really, we've Maybe we should call this wire to wire to wire because we've really got it covered from every single angle. <laughs> or no stone unturned. Either, no, either one. It's a wire to wire colon no stone unturned. <laughs> I like that. It's, the branding is a little off, but I feel like that's really how you should think of it in your head. Uh, yes, uh, it's a little bit long too. So we'll just go yeah. with wire to wire, but but no, the unofficial unofficial title <laughs> is all that. Yeah, the unauthorized title. <laughs> so for this first episode, for our Wire to Wire debut, what we want to talk about is guys who are already popular, who are still relatively lightly owned going into the start of the season. We know that a lot of you out there probably still have drafts ahead of you this weekend. Uh, Brandon and I talked before we started the show. Both of us have two over Labor Day weekend. But at the same time, many drafts are already done and there are moves you can already start making on the waiver wire. So those are the guys who we're going to focus on in this debut episode. The first, I think the obvious one, is Jacoby Brissett. Uh, the NFL world was rocked by Andrew Luck's surprise retirement, and now Jacoby Brissett is on top of the depth chart for the Colts at quarterback. Brandon, are you putting any stock into Jacoby Brissett as a fantasy player? Let's first talk traditional one-quarterback leagues. Uh, traditional one quarterback leagues. Look, we have a full season J- Jacoby Brissett we can look at 2017, just a, a season uh, removed from last year. So he was a he was quarterback 21 in Yahoo default scoring. Um, he has a, the ability to run. That was a that was a much different Colts offense environment than it is now. The offensive line's better. Frank Reich, uh, I think, is a better offensive uh, mastermind. Um, and I think Brissett got sacked like 30 some time or maybe 42 times. I think it was, it was something right around there. It was, it was a high number last year. Andrew Luck was sacked 18. So in the course of one year, um, you know, you can see the offensive line and just in terms of pressure. So I think, I think it's reasonable to expect something a little bit better out of Jacoby Brissett this year compared to 2017, just considering the improvement of that Colts offense. Uh, in single quarterback leagues, though, no. I mean, this is a this is a stacked quarterback class where I, where you know up until Josh Gordon was signed, I was toiling with uh, Tom Brady being close to my quarterback twenty overall. You know, and uh, you know the bump in Josh Gordon kind of moved him up, but that's not an indictment against Tom Brady. It's just a that just shows you how deep this class is. So in a one quarterback league, I, I'm probably passing. I don't typically unless there's a really deep bench roster two quarterbacks in one quarterbacks leagues if i've gotten somebody at the you know in the top six overall i i don't i just figure i can just pick somebody up if i need to replace uh, an injured quarterback or if i have to get through a bye week i don't like to really carry an extra quarterback so i don't really see a case in a one quarterback league unless you have super deep benches and it's easy to carry a second quarterback uh that we would be talking about jacoby Brissett there Yeah, I agree. I think he's going to show up on the stream radar a lot. I think he'll be one of the guys we talk about uh, the most on this show because he is going to be such a streamable quarterback from week to week. Uh, Obviously, 2017 wasn't a banner season for him, but like you said, that 
environment is totally different from on the field to the sidelines. Uh, he had T.Y. Hilton then. Now he's had T.Y. Hilton for two more years where they've been teammates. He's got Eric Ebron. Uh, he's got Paris Campbell. He's got Devin Funches, Marlon Mack, Naeem Hines. It's a totally different team. And then the coaching difference can't be overstated going from a defensive-minded guy in Chuck Pagano to Frank Reich, who you know is burnishing his image as you know one of the best offensive minds in the game today. So definitely a, a much more fertile offensive situation for Jacoby Brissett, but I agree. Uh, until he proves it to us, uh, he is not someone who we should be considering in one quarterback leagues. I do find him to be a pretty interesting guy, however, in two QB or flex or uh, super flex leagues. This is a, a, a because of this offense. I think he slots in right with that group of you know maybe Derek Carr and, and the like, where you are super happy with him if he's your third quarterback in that sort of format, and you're totally okay, at least I am personally, with him being your QB2 and, and rolling into the season with him as someone who you feel good about starting week in and week out. I just think that because of this environment and because of the fact that he is now in year two under Frank Reich, that you could uh, get a lot of value out of him in that sort of format. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think you know it's great that we just yesterday uh, did a staff um, draft, which was a super flex league. So for all intents and purposes, it was a two quarterback league and 16 draft slots for 12 teams. Jacoby Brissett went late in the 10th round, but the nice thing about it is he went right in the midst of a quarterback run. Uh, so it was Jimmy Garoppolo, Nick Foles. Then there was a Marvin Jones pick. Then it was Jacoby Brissett, Derek Carr, and Matt Stafford to round out the 10th round. So he had five quarterbacks go in the final six uh, picks of round 10. And Jacoby Brissett was right in that mix. So, again, it was Garoppolo, Foles, Brissett, Derek Carr, and Matt Stafford. You mentioned Derek Carr. He's in that range, and that proved out in our draft yesterday. And I absolutely agree. There's some, there's some, uh, you know, some rush upside that always brings that floor up for quarterbacks. If you have the ability to run, uh, it's a better offensive environment. And I think uh, I think he certainly belongs right in that mix. He's certainly an interesting quarterback to, to throw into your – roster mix uh, in two quarterback leagues for sure. I think that's exactly the group that he should be in of that group. Uh, where are you slotting him? If you, you do have drafts this week, if you're, if it's a super fever, those were, or are super flex, where are you slotting him among that group? Yeah. You know, I'm just uh, pulling up my rankings right now to see where I did slot him. I slotted him. So I, I put Carr and Stafford ahead of him. Then I went Brissett. Then I went Foles. Okay. So he would be, he would be fourth of my fifth, but I, I really think that you could put him right there in Carr Stafford, and it's probably a hair's difference between those three. Yeah, I'm with you there. I, th I really think, like I said, I think that this is a, a guy who you are very happy with as a QB3 in two quarterback leagues, and you are easily living with as your QB2. Theoretically, you have a stronger uh, wide receiver running back core than the rest of your league if you're looking at Jacoby Brissett as your quarterback two in two QB and super flex leagues. Before we move on from Brissett, one more thing we have to talk about. There are people drafting out there just like you and me this weekend. Are you downgrading any of the key Colts? Uh, T.Y. Hilton, Marlon Mack, Eric Ebron especially. Are you knocking them down your draft boards because of Lux retirement? Yeah, I think you have to drop T.Y. Hilton. He was he was wide receiver 25 in 2017 with uh, Brissett. Uh, again, it's a better offensive environment than it was before. The offensive line's better. But Andrew Luck's just a better quarterback, and that and that proves itself out in terms of statistics. Uh, you know, in in parsing them out to your wide receivers, and I so I had Hilton at I think twelve 
uh, with luck. And so I've kind of sort of split the difference. I've moved, I've moved Hilton down in that 18, 19, 20 range at the wide receiver position. He's still going to be there. Number one, he's still going to be a go-to guy. I think Brissett's going to be better. Again, this offensive environment will be better than it was. So I'm moving him up from his 25 spot of a couple of years ago, but uh, there's just no doubt that that will have an impact on him in terms of his upside. As far as, as far as Marlon Mack, this, I don't know that I've, I feel a whole lot differently. There might be a little bit more emphasis on Marlon Mack now. And uh, it's, it's interesting. Frank Gore had to, had the RB 19 season in 2017. Uh, again, we keep saying this, it was a worse environment then than it is now. Marlon Mack is a, you know, had a great run down the stretch last year. And I think, you know, he is going to be a bell cow. And again, they have a good offensive line with Jacoby Brissett can at least be serviceable. I think he'll be fine. Kind of in that, sort of RB 16 range for me, 15, 16 on Mac right now. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think I've, certainly the pass catchers, it goes without saying that they get downgraded. I downgrade Mac a little bit. I pushed him down my rankings and I was already not quite so high as uh, the rest of the industry on him to begin with. Uh, I push him down just because the, the offensive environment isn't as good uh, without Andrew Luck. Uh, you're not going to have as many yards. You're not going to have as many points. You're not going to convert as many third downs. That's why I push him down a little bit. For me, the guy who's hurt the most is Eric Ebron because we know he lived on touchdowns last season. He likely wasn't going to score 12 more this year, even with Andrew Luck. But now you take that, you take Luck out of the equation. Talk about a team that got to the red zone a lot last year, was very efficient once it did get in the red zone. And the key guy there was Eric Ebron. I just think we realistically have to expect fewer long drives, fewer red zone possessions, less efficiency in the red zone. And that's going to hit Ebron the most out of those guys. So I, for me, Ebron is now outside of the tight end one class. I'm with you on sliding uh, T.Y. Hilton down, but still feel pretty good about him as a wide receiver too. And Marlon Mack, for me, more of uh, barely a running back too, just inside my top 24 at the position. I really think that every guy has to take a hit just for the mere fact, like you said, Jacoby Brissett, no matter how much better he's gotten over the last couple of years, isn't Andrew Luck. Yeah, and I think one other thing to to note here is that Brissett, in, in terms of Ebron, it was interesting because Brissett fell in love with Jack Doyle, and Jack Doyle had 80 catches in 2017. That was second most to Travis Kelsey, and Jack Doyle's healthy again. So uh, not only is Ebron uh, fighting regression uh, in terms of touchdown scoring and the fact that this offense isn't going to be as potent, uh, you also have a guy coming back that wasn't really there last year that the current quarterback uh, loved um, like a brother in 2017. So um, it be interesting to see if Doyle and Brissett hit the ground running uh, again and they rekindle that relationship. Definitely going to be one of the most intriguing teams at the start of the season to see how Frank Reich and Jacoby Brissett put everything together and try to keep the Colts as one of the favorites in the AFC South. Another very interesting team to me uh, at the start of the season, and maybe all season, is the New York Jets. And they've got a receiver who I was surprised to see had a low enough ownership rate to qualify for us to talk about on wire to wire. It's Jamison Crowder. Now, the leagues that you and I play in, he's getting drafted pretty much 100% across the board. But uh, on both uh, ESPN and Yahoo sites, he has a, an ownership rate uh, right around 40 45%. So uh, going to be available in a lot of our listeners' leagues. For me, this is a guy who, if I've already had a draft and he's sitting out there, I'm taking a good long look at my roster and wondering who I can get because I think he's a, a great – first of all, 
I throw out what happened in Washington. That was a dreadful uh, offense last year, even though they somehow found a way to go seven and nine. Um, I, I think that he can immediately be Sam Darnold's uh, maybe not favorite receiver, but certainly a go-to receiver. Got no Chris Herndon for the first four games. Now you've got Robbie Anderson dealing with a calf injury. Sounds like week one could be in doubt. I think Jamison Crowder, we could look up at the end of the season and is the leading receiver on this team. Uh, he's another one of my favorites too. He's, uh, you know, I'm, if you look at where I'm at compared to most people, I'm higher on Crowder. So I, I'm with you on that. And again, I'll throw out our our league draft that we had with the Athletic yesterday, and it was round early round nine for Jamison Crowder, and in very late in round eight was Sterling Shepard, Larry Fitzgerald. Then it went Crowder. Immediately after Crowder, we're talking Sammy Watkins, and then a couple picks later, Corey Davis. So it gives you an idea of where he was valued uh, in our draft yesterday. And I think it's appropriate because I have him kind of uh, just on, just outside that cusp of the wide receiver three range. But I think he's in, especially in PPR leagues and half PPR leagues, he's just one of those guys that's not going to hurt you. Uh, he's just going to be solid, you know, a week in, week out compiler. And he's had some good years in the past. As you mentioned, Washington offense just went, com- the wheels fell off completely once Alex Smith went down. Um, and you kind of have to discount all that happened there. That was a, that was a rough season for them, but he's had some very good seasons in the past in Washington. And I think Sam Darnold emerging is going to be, a, I think he's going to take a big leap from where he was last year to this year and be a really good quarterback. So, yeah, I mean, you got Le'Veon Bell to contend with. I think Jamison Crowder definitely has that role of that grease man over the middle, finding those soft spots in the defense. And uh, we've seen him before. He's very adept at doing that. He's going to be a guy who I think we don't spend much time talking about in Wire to Wire. I think that, in, in fact, this debut episode might be the only time we talk about him. I think that the uh, the rest of the fantasy football community is going to get pretty wise to uh, just how much value he's going to have this season pretty quickly. But let's say you are in a shallower league and you are looking at some of the guys that you mentioned, Corey Davis, Sammy Watkins, guys like that. Are you willing to drop those guys before the season even begins for Crowder? Man, I I used to be the biggest Corey Davis fan out there. Um, and I just don't know. I just, I just haven't seen it from him. Uh, it's been a rough situation in Tennessee, but it's still the same situation. It's just more crowded. They brought in so many different receivers there. There's a lot of there's a lot of people raising their hand asking for the football in the passing game there. And the quarterback that's distributing it has been a little bit suspect. And Marcus Mariota has even talked that Ryan Tannehill, uh, you know, could be quickly out there and that Mario's on a short leash. So it's a little bit of a mess in Tennessee. I have Crowder and Corey Davis. Like those guys that we just mentioned, Larry Fitzgerald, Crowder, and Corey Davis, I have right at that kind of that top 40 overall range but i will say some of the some of the receivers that i have crowder higher than are uh like geronimo allison kiki kuti um dante pettis marquez valdez scantling uh deshaun jackson so those are probably some names that are higher ownership mm-hmm. that i have i have crowder ahead of so i think there's a you know, there's a decent chance that uh, I don't know that I would necessarily of the guys I just mentioned drop any of them for Crowder because they're all it would be a negligible difference. And sometimes you right. just don't want it, don't need to make a move if it's not really a, a, a you know, a meter mover. So uh, I guess the answer to your specific question is no. I would have trouble. I would definitely want Fitz and Watkins over him just because of the offenses that those two guys play in. Um, and I, I, although I do guess that Arizona's offense is more a theory at this point and not not a certainty, um, I, I would take Crowder all day over Corey Davis personally. I just hasn't put it together. Um, you've got a healthy Delaney Walker. 
back there this season. Uh, I, I would much rather take a shot on, on Crowder than Corey Davis. And, you know, I, I'm with you on most of the guys you mentioned. The one guy who's interesting, and I don't want to spend too much time in him because he's pretty widely owned, is Kiki Kuti. That's a guy who I, I just don't get what the argument is for him. DeAndre Hopkins is a target monster. Will Fuller has a huge role in that offense when he's healthy. They got a big pass catching back in Duke Johnson. Uh, Deshaun Watson eats up a lot of uh, uh, possessions when, when he takes off and scrambles. Uh, can Kuti's already hurt again this year? I just don't get really the argument uh, for Kiki Kuti, but uh, I guess maybe we'll be talking about him in a later episode of Wire to Wire. Should he uh, but drop beneath the uh, ownership rate threshold that we look at when we look to find guys who are not only interesting, but actually available to give you the actionable advice that you need to uh, actually make moves on your waiver wire? Uh, the next guy I want to talk about in the same division as Jamison Crowder, and that is Devin Singletary running back on the Buffalo Bills. Uh, This is a situation that's been impossible to figure out. I've been drafting Singletary and LaShawn McCoy in a lot of leagues just because it's got to be one of them. Like one of them has to have uh, enough fantasy value to at least be bi-week relevant, if nothing else. So I've been willing to go after basically whichever one of them is cheaper in my leagues. Where do you sit on Singletary going into week one? It was much higher on him right after the draft. You know, I, I kind of believe the narrative that they might even just cut McCoy and make him a cap casualty and and turn things over. And they've they brought in so many different running backs. Frank Gore and TJ Yeldon are there. And it's and nothing has happened, and there's been very little news. And it certainly looks like LaShawn McCoy is holding court as the number one guy. And I've been hands off completely because it's been so hard to figure out what's gonna what's going on here. And if it's split up at all, it's not a very lucrative situation. So um I right now I've backed off of Devin Singletary. I I may throw him on a roster in a very, very, you know, in a with a very, very late round pick, but I think what I'm starting to kind of resign myself to is that we may not see a whole lot of Devin Singletary in the first half of the season. And then he becomes not that much different than like a Kareem hunt where can you really afford to roster a guy that's not getting much run early on. Um, But I I don't, I don't completely rule out that LaShawn McCoy may not be for long in Buffalo. And if that's the case, you know, I would, I would think he would, he would surface in Tampa or Houston or, one of these places where they need running backs, but uh, I, I like Devin Singletary. I just don't know if we're going to get much impact out of him until, uh, you know, kind of later in the season. Yeah. He's a, he's a sort of a, a wait and see guy for me. I'm really, I, I'm, I'm willing to have him on my roster the first couple of weeks just to see what shakes out because there is some real upside to him. If he, even if let's just pretend McCoy stays in Buffalo all year, if Singletary can carve out a role where he's you know getting, even just 12 or 13 opportunities per game between carries and targets, I think there's enough there to make him relevant when, you know, bye weeks start to hit and you've got four teams on bye, six teams on bye. I think Singletary in that situation could be someone who you're happy to turn to and throw into your starting lineup. You're you're not going to feel like you're flailing at a position if a 12 or 13 opportunity per game Devin Singletary is someone who you plug into your lineup. So at this early stage of the season, there's enough upside for me there to have him on my roster, see how Buffalo's using him, see if anything happens with McCoy. And then if if it is a situation where he's just not getting enough usage, then I feel uh, that I really haven't wasted anything. I can drop him. I can make a move and get someone else for my roster who is getting a little bit more opportunity than Singletary would be in that situation. I do worry, as you sort of hinted at, that it's one of those um, backfields. Every year, there's a backfield that is just so convoluted that the headache of trying to figure it out isn't worth it. 
And I think that right. Buffalo has a has a realistic opportunity to be that team this year. Yeah, I think that was probably like Philadelphia last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's people we tried to hang our hat on for, you know, a few weeks at a time. It just didn't work out. Um, but I agree. But they could also be the blind spot, too. Um, you know, maybe LaShawn Le- McCoy ends up being the steal of the draft, or maybe Devin Singletary does because he takes over early on. Um and this is a much improved backfield and it's a much improved offense. But, you know, I, I always am leery of completely just discounting these kind of situations where, the, where there's a bit of an unknown, because that's also that's also a place where, uh, you know, the market is kind of turned a blind eye to it and you can find value or there's potential value that might emerge. So I'll, I, I think, you know watch list is is the perfect um designation for devin singletary i'm not gonna i'm just not gonna write off this backfield i'm gonna watch it closely because there is the potential that something that could emerge of value but right now as you mentioned it's very convoluted a couple of uh of interesting things i think to think about with buffalo before we move on from singletary uh is that you know josh allen is is thought to be an improving quarterback um obviously they added a lot of pass catchers to that team we know that the defense at least on paper looks like one of the better ones in the nfl i think if a few things break right for them they could be a sneaky good team do you put any stock into that when you think about adding uh any position and maybe even especially a running back yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, uh, I don't have I can't cite uh, deep numbers on this, but running quarterbacks uh, have been have kind of proven out to help the running back position. So, um, you know, Josh Allen improves as a passer, continues to be a threat in the running game. Um, yeah, then that that that's also going to help out Devin Single, Devin Singletary, LaShawn McCoy. And, I think in that division with Miami, uh, the Jets, and the, the Patriots being maybe down a little bit. I mean, I think it's still the Patriots, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's, Patriots, it's the Patriots division. But uh, the Bills have the chance to be the second-best team in that division. And maybe they can make a run out of wild card. We saw them do it, I think, with probably a worse team a couple years ago. So uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, I won't rule out that possibility. Yeah, Bills get into the playoffs courtesy of uh, Andy Dalton to Tyler Boyd, right? Right, right. He's he's a hero in Buffalo. A hero. Never never pay for a Buffalo wing the rest of his life. (laughs) All right, Brandon, a couple uh, Bay Area receivers I want to talk about before we get out of here on this debut episode of Wire to Wire. Tyrell Williams and Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel is more of a traditional waiver wire target. I think we're going to be talking about him as a guy, uh, unless he just maybe go a la Tyler Boyd from last year and blows up very early in the season. Could be someone who we talk about over the first few weeks of the year, but I want to focus on Tyrell to start out. Another guy who, like Jamison Crowder, surprised that he's still so widely available with so many drafts having been completed. Uh, There's a name brand here. Uh, If you've been playing fantasy at all the last couple of years, you certainly know who Tyrell Williams is. Had some nice years with the Chargers. Never really uh, subsisted on huge volume. He was, whether it was Keenan Allen or a heavy run game usage with Melvin Gordon, he was never the primary uh, weapon in his offense. So it's not like going to a team with Antonio Brown, with Josh Jacobs is really a huge change for him. Uh, I just figured that he would be a guy who was easily more in the 60% ownership rate rather than down around the uh, high 30s, low 40s where he is. For me, this is another guy like Jamison Crowder. If he's available, I'm taking a long look at my roster and making sure that there's no one I want to get or I want to keep over Tyrell Williams because I think he's a, a sneaky sort of you know, 65 catch, 850 yards, six touchdown upside this year. 
65 catch, 800 yards, six touchdowns. I think he could do that, playing opposite Antonio Brown. I really blame uh, HBO Hard Knocks for his low ownership. Uh, <laughs> right. Like, you know, you wouldn't even know Tyrell Williams is on the team. Have you been watching that? I have. And, yeah, I think he's like – he was like uh, smiling in the back of like one wide receiver uh, uh, meeting, one wide receiver. And that, and that's <laughs> yeah, like, I wouldn't I mean, be surprised if Keelan, Keelan Doss's ownership is higher than his <laughs> yeah, right, right now as much as they've been, <laughs> you know, putting the expose on him. But uh, And Josh Jacobs too. It's a bummer we haven't been able to see mm-hmm. some of these new guys on the Raiders. But I think that's right. I mean, he's one of the better deep uh, vertical sideline threats. You know, we saw him when he was – number one out of necessity in, in injuries in with the Chargers a few years ago. I mean, he put up a thousand yard season, but uh, as the complementary vertical threat, I think, you know, Derek Carr is at least competent enough, has a decent enough arm. And with Antonio Brown and, and Josh Jacobs drawing some attention, I think there's going to be one-on-one opportunities for Tyrell to get to those numbers that you mentioned. I don't think that's, I don't even think that's much of a reach if he stays healthy. 800 and some yards and six touchdowns, I think, is very doable. And and those are the kind of numbers that uh, belong in more than 50% of fantasy leagues, for sure. Yeah, they're the sort of numbers that you they don't, like, stop and grab you, but if you go back and look, I mean, those, you know, those are top 40 numbers every single year without fail. And I think there's some hidden value here too. I mean, I've been beating the drum of Antonio Brown's going to be fine by time the week three or four gets here. People who passed on him because of what happened this summer are going to be like, I can't believe I let all that drama get to me. He's still Antonio Brown. However, I grant that uh, my word is not gospel and that there is a realistic chance that uh, with the helmet stuff and what's been going on with his feet, that he's not completely the Antonio Brown that we expect him to be. And in that scenario, you know, Tyrell Williams becomes even more of a big-time target for a target that Derek Carr needs to lean on more than he already is going to have to with what's uh, what else is available to him in Oakland. Yeah, and you just mentioned those numbers, 65, 850, and 6, which was almost uh, – that was Alshon Jeffrey last year. 65 catches, 843 yards, 6 touchdowns. That was wide receiver 26 and half PPR. So not only top 40, but just that was – you know, that has the upside of being top 30. Mm-hmm. And, again, just kind of goes to show you that if he's anything close to that, then he's well under-owned. Yeah, and we're not saying that that's what we're expecting out of Tyrell Williams, but it doesn't take – too much uh, work to see a scenario in which that is realistically uh, the numbers, the line that he puts up by the end of the season. So definitely someone who, even if you're in a shallow league and you you can't find a spot for him on your roster going into week one, keep a close eye on what Oakland does. It's a Monday night game, so there's going to be a lot of eyes on them. Uh, One of the the, the late Monday night game for week one uh, against the Denver Broncos, but definitely watch Tyrell Williams closely. He could be someone who pops up and ends up being a consistent wide receiver three for the rest of the year. Debo Samuel, the last guy I want to talk about. Look, someone in San Francisco is going to be the wide receiver one. I guess technically George Kittle is the wide receiver one with the tight end designation, but one of those wide receivers, whether it's Samuel or Marquise Goodwin or Dante Pettis or Jalen Hurd, someone is going to end up having a meaningful fantasy year on that team uh, with Kyle Shanahan, with Jimmy Garoppolo. It's just There's too much offensive mind power I think for none of these wide receivers to have a useful fantasy season and right now for me with everything we've heard about Dante Pettis and the poor camp that he's had Debo Samuels the 49ers receiver I want yeah I really liked him coming out of college uh you know he's been compared to Heinz Ward I throw Anquan Bolden just kind of these solid hard hat receiver types but that's not to diminish the athletic upside Debo Samuel is a very athletic uh, receiver as well, but he just has the 
kind of the look of one of those receivers that just is going to settle in for like a solid 10 to 12 year career, you know, and um, uh, it doesn't really have a whole lot of flaws and, and maybe not everything's a wowing attribute, but he's, he's kind of good at everything and I can see him ascending and being quickly Garoppolo, one of Garoppolo's favorites. And this was, you know, considering they had three quarterbacks last year and CJ Beathard and Nick Mullins uh, were, were the majority quarterbacks throughout the year. Like, it, and with the cast of characters, they had Dante Pettis, a uh, young, young guy that, you know, no one expected to kind of step up last year. Goodwin had a hard time staying healthy. There was just a random hodgepodge of receivers. They actually put up some decent numbers. So you get better talent in there. Like they have, you get a, you know, the, the troubles that Jimmy Garoppolo has had in the preseason accepted. I think we all believe he's going to be a much better quarterback than that. Uh, you know, an improvement at quarterback with the arm there and the talent they have. I think this could be a pretty good passing offense. And I, I'm with you. I've kind of settled in on Samuel kind of being the guy, uh, maybe not, you know, maybe not by a ton, but I think he's going to end up being the number one receiver there. You had Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert getting legitimate run with this team last year when Matt Burita, Burita, excuse me, was going right. down with injuries late in the year. So if anything, I feel much better, and I already felt good, but even better about Kyle Shanahan's ability to scheme it up uh, after what he did with all the injuries this team dealt with last season. What are we thinking is a realistic upside for Debo Samuel? Because we know uh, what you know, George Kittle is is the number one pass catcher on that team. Uh, Tevin Coleman, Matt Breida, this is a team that is going to use its backs uh, liberally, and they're going to use them in the passing game in a big way. I mean, we but we know what Tevin Coleman and Kyle Shanahan did with one another uh, in their days in Atlanta. They made him a big-time uh, priority in free agency. Matt Breida proved what he could do on the field last season for this team. So I think this could be, uh, even though we, I believe that one of these wide receivers is going to be a useful fantasy player, this could also be the team that gets the smallest you know, target share, yardage share out of its wide receivers of any team in the league. I think that's realistically in play for San Francisco. So what are we thinking is a realistic upside for you know San Francisco wide receiver one, whoever it might be? I think, uh, you know, you just said 65, 850, and 6 for um, Tyrell Williams. I don't think that is unrealistic as the upside of the number one receiver here. I mean, that's that's roughly four catches a game, you know, um, touchdown every two to three weeks. I, I think that's doable. And, again, we saw that those numbers played nicely. I think as far as upside goes, that's probably where I would I would guess that would, you know, that would be a very um, early wide receiver return. I think the downside is somewhere in the late wide receiver three to early wide receiver four range. I think whoever's the number one receiver here is going to be someone that is viable in fantasy. And if you are, then you need to be kind of in that top 40 range, I think. Uh, whoever ends up being that guy is going to be in the top 40 range. And again, I will, I will place my bets on Samuel. Yeah. There's definitely some risk here to being like we talked about. There's always that one or two backfields that the headaches too much. There's always that one or two receiving core where just no one breaks through last year. The, the first team that jumps to mind for me is Jacksonville. And I think there is yeah. some risk because of how great George Kittle is because of how they're going to use Coleman and Brita that San Francisco is that team this season. And that's why we're seeing no San Francisco receiver jump up with any meaningful uh, uh, ownership rate just yet. I think that even though we both like Samuel, that I'm okay with his ownership rate where it's at, whereas I think Tyrell Williams and Jamison Crowder 
both uh, are being a little bit disrespected by the fantasy community with where their ownership rate sits at. Uh, Funston, I want to end the the, uh, the show with this. Uh, it, forget about Brissett just because he's a quarterback, a little bit different of a breed from a, a fantasy perspective. But let's say you're sitting in the league. Crowder, Singletary, Tyrell Williams, and Debo Samuel are all available to you right now. You can pick up any of them, first come, first serve. Who? Uh, how are you ranking the four? I'll go Jamison Crowder, one. Um, I will go Tyrell Williams, two. Uh, Debo Samuel, three. Devin Singletary, four. Uh, we're basically the same. Crowder, Tyrell are an easy one, two for me, and Crowder, easy one over Tyrell, who's an easy two over the other two. At this early, very early, uh, not even begun stage of the season, I'll throw some love at Devin Singletary just because of how uh, much of a question mark that Buffalo backfield is and because there's some upside for if anyone takes command of it to be a week-in, week-out running back starter. And then Debo Samuel, number four for me. Can I can I uh, throw out a name that I might take ahead of Devin Singletary right now? Not Absolutely. Not that I uh, but he's, I, I think I checked, he was like 5% owned in Yahoo. It's Dari Ogunbowale. Uh, oh, yes. The third down back. Now that's pretty much always uh, sounds like he's kind of been anointed as the third down back there in Tampa. And believe me, they're going to throw a ton. And uh, sounds like he's been the most impressive back all around, even in the, ru- in the run game. So I would not uh, put it past Bruce Arians to get him into the, into the carry mix, but he, should be a big factor in the passing game. And Arians has a pretty good history of throwing balls to running backs. I had a guy named David Johnson in Arizona who (laughs) had a good year with Arians, I think. Yeah, exactly. So uh, this guy's a good receiver and I think he'll have a pretty big role in, in, you know, even at worst, maybe he's like a Theo Riddick, uh, you know, the, the kind of value where you always had that guy in PPR leagues because he was always giving you a little bit of juice in the passing game. Uh, I think Dario Gunbawale is my most owned player, not including like super early, like June, July drafts. But once we actually got into August and what feels like real draft season, I right. would guess off the top of my head, I haven't audited my wallet completely, but <laughs> off the top of my head, I think he's probably my most owned player because of that situation, because of how cheap he is. I got him in that athletic league that we drafted yesterday. And oh, just like me, yeah, yeah, he's on, he's on, uh, he's on my squad. And just like me, and like our coworker uh, Derek Van Riper, Daria Gumbawale is a Badger, and, and yeah. Badgers just get the job done. Badger running backs, Monty Ball accepted, get the job done when you get him in the NFL. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, are uh, you a Badger? I, I didn't realize that. Oh yeah, yeah. So you got a, so you got a, you got a, you got a little bit more up close and personal look at him than I did. I mean, he was, you know, there's always a, a, a deep crop of running back talent at Wisconsin. Um, yeah, you know, he he overlapped with Melvin Gordon a little bit. Obviously, he uh, spent some time with Jonathan Taylor uh, in the backfield also. Um, but he always popped when he was given an opportunity, and he was given plenty of opportunity his last couple of years in Madison. Uh, the guy is not just this is not just a default of uh, situation where. You know, Peyton Barber can't run away with the job and Ronald Jones can't get uh, things right there. I mean, this is not just, well, we got to try someone. I think a good Bawale uh, would have showed up almost anywhere, no matter where, no matter what other running backs he was playing with. Certainly got himself in the right situation in Tampa where there's a vacuum in the running in the backfield. But I really think this is a guy who, uh, at the very least, is going to be a meaningful pass catcher at the position all season. And because of how bad Barber and Jones have been over the last couple of years, uh, could really end up running away with that job and being the primary back for what's going to be a very high-scoring offense. 
Yeah, totally concur, and I have a feeling we'll be talking about him a couple more times. Yeah, he could be that. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being the uh, Philip Lindsay uh, of this right. season, where week one, right away, he becomes the uh, the big waiver wire darling uh, across the league. Yeah, I like that call. All right, guys, this uh, will do it for our debut episode of Wire to Wire. Thank you for listening. Again, just to remind you, Mondays will be the big waiver uh, show, the big show here on Wire to Wire. That'll be free, Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. We will also have a Friday subscribers-only show that you'll be able to listen to on The Athletic if you do or if you are a subscriber. Uh, If you're listening to this on one of the free platforms, uh, please rate, review, uh, tell us that you like what you hear, because we certainly hope that you like what you hear. We're going to be coming to you twice a week, every week through the NFL season, helping you make the right calls on the waiver wire. Brandon, this is a lot of fun. I can't wait to get the real season going. Yeah, this is easy, man. Talking football and pickups, that'll be easy, uh, very enjoyable. So I look forward to it. Yeah, pretty nice that uh, someone pays us to do this, right? Yeah, no doubt. (laughs) All right, everyone. Thanks again for listening. Uh, Assuming you're listening on a Friday or at any point over this weekend, enjoy your Labor Day weekend. We will be back with you after week one. No show on Labor Day, so we'll be back with you after week one to talk about all the week one uh, big names, the pickups that you're going to want to make. Maybe Dare Ogunbowale will be in there again. Until then, enjoy your week. Enjoy week one. Enjoy all the football. We'll be back with you in about nine days right here on Wire to Wire.